0: Welcome to the new Dachshund of Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Dachshund of Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Well, hello there and welcome to Dachshund of Pod i Ron Aaron, delighted to have you on board. We'd like to welcome our co-host and delighted to have her with us, Dr. Tamika Perry. Dr. Perry is an associate medical director at WellMed, oversees several large clinics in the OptumCare in North Texas region. Dr. Perry earned her undergraduate degree from Prairie View A&M University, then went on to graduate from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. She was a National Health Service Corps scholar there. She completed her family medicine residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center, where she served as chief resident. Dr. Perry is board certified by the American Osteopathic Board of Family Physicians, subsequently earned her master's in public health with an emphasis in health management and policy at the University of North Texas Health Science Center. In addition, Dr. Perry is a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. And Tamika, it is great to have you on.
1: It's always, always awesome to have to be here with you, Ron. So our topic for today is something that even as a clinician, I get lots of questions about and I wonder about myself. Like, why should we still go to the GYN and at what point in life do we have to stop?
0: Well, we're going to take that up with our guest, Dr. Manisha Parikh. Dr. Parikh is a physician at the USMD Mid-Cities OB Gynecologist Clinic in Bedford, Texas, she earned her medical degree from the medical college of georgia school of medicine in st augusta georgia completed her residency at Bayer college of medicine in houston dr parik is board certified by the american board of obstetrics and gynecology and i asked her what is something that she loves doing people might be surprised to discover she would love to be a travel blogger she loves to travel dr parik has visited some 50 countries and coming up after school's out in June, she'll be on her way to Portugal, a place she has yet to visit. And I gather, Dr. Parikh, you'd like to visit every continent in the world.
2: I would love to. That is on my bucket list. And thank you so much for having me here today.
0: Well, we're delighted to have you on board. And and I guess, as uh, Dr. Perry said, who also happens to be a woman, <laughs> why do people keep needing to see their gynecologist when they're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, it's enough already.
2: (laughs) It is not enough. You do have to come see your gynecologist. It's surprising to me how many women think um, of their gynecologist as just their obstetrician. They think they're done having children and they never have to come back and see me. And that is not the case. Uh, They think when they need to see a physician, they only need to take care of high blood pressure and diabetes, and they get their checkup and they're done. But that's not the case because there's the rest of their body that still needs to be tended to. Um, I had a patient come in last week who said, I heard on the news, I don't have to get pap smears. I've had normal pap smears. Um, There are different guidelines for pap smears, but guess what? You still need to get pelvic exams. So the number one reason you need to see a gynecologist well into later life is for pelvic exams. Um, What we check when we do a pelvic exam is not just the pap smear. And this is something a lot of women get confused about. The pap smear is a little collection that we do where we swipe the cervix to to check for cervical cancer. It is a screening for cervical cancer that we do stop collecting after the age of 65s, but the pelvic exam is the part we do afterwards. It's what we're doing to check for masses. Um, we're looking for ovarian cancer, which all of you guys know there's not a great screening for. But we need to check for masses. If we feel something abnormal, it may cause us to order a ultrasound, a CAT scan, something different. Another thing we do when we're doing our pelvic exam is we look at the vulva. We look externally. If we see something atypical or abnormal there, we may wanna do a biopsy. And this is exactly what happened last week for me, is I saw something that looked a little atypical. And honestly, I didn't know it was gonna be cancerous. Um, and I had her come back, we did the biopsy, and we did catch a vulvar cancer. Because when you go to your primary care doctor, no one's looking down there. Um, and when you're with intimate with your partner, a lot of times the lights are off. <laughs> and as women get older, they want the lights off. Um, so no one's looking at that. And <laughs> a lot of times it doesn't feel different. The texture of those atypical cells and precancerous lesions don't change until it's progressed pretty far.
0: So what is it you saw?
2: Uh the, the color changes. You see white patches, um, and that's what looks different. And it looks completely different than the surrounding tissues. So again, the pelvic exam is important for looking for vulvar cancers, vaginal cancers, and ovarian cancers, not just the pap smear, which is looking for cervical cancer. So that's one really important reason you still need to see a gynecologist, even after you're done, done having children and later on in life.
1: Well, end Go ahead, Dr. Perry. You would be utterly proud of me as a, as a um, PCP, a family doctor. Cause I tell my patients, look at it. Just like I tell my diabetics, look at the bottom of your feet. You know, we just can't ignore it. Just, you know, it's still there. So you need to look at it. And so um, I could, that's probably the most insightful thing I've heard this morning. When you said you, you have to look at it and it has to be looked at. Cause you want to catch those things. Like you're, you're, absolutely right. I sent someone to one of your colleagues last week because we looked at it and I was like, that doesn't look right to me. Uh, It's not my area of expertise, but let me send you to somebody, i.e. you, who this is their area of expertise. Well, I love that you're saying that. Stay with me
0: just a minute. Hold on just a second. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're talking from the OBGYN, USMD, Mid-Cities clinic up in Texas, where I happen to be, with Dr. Manisha Parikh. Go ahead, Dr. Parikh. Sorry.
2: Dr. Perry, I love that you're telling your patients to take a look at their vulva and their vagina, because it is important to not forget about those parts of our bodies. And You know, if you notice a difference, then maybe make an appointment, come in, get it checked out. I don't think every primary care doctor is having their patients do that. So I love that you're telling them to do that um, because it's important. It's an important part of our body that gets missed. And the reason it I love that you're having them do this is because we can catch things early and prevent having to do extensive radiation, chemotherapy, and it's preventable. So, um, again, you need to see your gynecologist.
0: And so, Dr. Freak, what are some of the other reasons uh, that you need to do that? And and what are some of the other issues that you come across?
2: Um, another big reason is because um, there's bleeding irregularities. So, so menopause, the average age is 52. I have patients that are still menstruating um, into their early 60s. Um, so to talk about different menstrual changes, what's normal and what's not, Um, And believe it or not, bleeding after menopause is never normal. And there's many women who don't know this. Um, So postmenopausal bleeding can be a sign of endometrial cancer. Again, we're talking about the C word, cancer, which I mentioned with my first reason. A lot of women don't know that. If you have bleeding after you've been through menopause, which is defined as going 12 months without a cycle, that is not normal. You need to see your gynecologist and get evaluated. Lots of times we'll do ultrasounds. We might do a biopsy. We need to see why this has happened. Um, We can't ignore it. I oftentimes have patients come in saying, oh, I just had another period. Um, No, that is not normal. You need to see your gynecologist. So that's another big reason. Bleeding abnormalities later in life need to be evaluated by a specialist, your gynecologist.
0: Now, how common is that?
2: It is very common. We see at least two to three patients a day with this problem, um, and many of them it, it's been going on for years, and they just never knew that that it wasn't normal.
0: They just thought it was a sporadic period.
2: Exactly. They said, "Well, it felt like a period. I was having cramping. I was having breast tenderness. You know, um, I just thought it was a period again." And they and I think that generation of women a lot of times don't talk about these things. Um, So they didn't mention it to friends. They didn't mention it to family members. So no one told them this is not normal.
1: Manisha, what? Oh, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry, Ron. No, Dr. Perry, go ahead.
1: I have a whole slew of ladies who who are post-65 and they may have lost their husbands or just changed relationships and they've started dating again. So for that post-after-65 lady who wants to have adult happy time again, what would you recommend for her?
2: So that was going to be my next um, reason they should come see the gynecologist. It was to discuss the vaginal changes and libido changes that happen later in life. Um, So many women don't realize that with menopause, so much changes other than just the fact that your cycle goes away and you have hot flashes. Um, Those are things everyone talks about. One thing people don't mention is the vagina changes. Um, When the vagina change, whenever you go through menopause, we lose estrogen. Um, When the vagina does not have estrogen, it loses its elasticity. If we take away the elasticity of the vagina, it turns into a stiff cardboard tube. Now, most people know when men are aroused, we see that the penis enlarges, it changes size. A lot of people don't know that the same thing happens to the vagina. When women are aroused, the vagina does change in size in order to encompass that penis. If we take away that estrogen, we are taking away the ability of that vagina to stretch. I relate it to a rubber band. If If we don't have that estrogen present, the vagina can't stretch like that. So when they try to have that happy time, we're going to have pain.
0: That's the big ouch.
2: It is. It's painful because it's tearing. What's happening is anytime you try to do anything or insert anything, the stretch is gone and it's just tearing. So what you're left with is burning sensation after intercourse. And then pain or or a slight pinkish tinge um, discharge, which is from the blood. And so for the next 24 hours, the woman is left in pain. If you feel that anytime you have intercourse, are you going to have a libido? Probably not, because you have pain all the time. Oh, no, It's a
0: real turnoff.
2: It's a turnoff. I can give you tons of testosterone. You're still not going to want to have intercourse because every time you try to do it, you're in pain. So what we have to do is fix what's happening down below. And it's a pretty easy fix. What we right, can- Let's
0: talk about that in just a minute. Okay. When we come back how to fix it. We'll find out right here on Docs a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're talking with Dr. Marisha Parikh. Uh, she is an OBGYN specialist at USMD Mid-Cities OBGYN Clinic. You're listening to Docs a Pod. Well, thank you so much for staying with us right here on Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and with Dr. Marisha Parikh, who is an OBGYN, and we're talking about, as people go through menopause, women go through menopause and then perhaps want to uh, continue or engage in sexual activities. There are some issues that Dr. Uh, Parikh is addressing and we're talking about how to fix that problem where the vagina is not expanding.
1: So, so, you know, Dr. Parikh, 20, 30 years ago, the wonderful people who made Viagra made Viagra. So now a lot of these ladies partners are able to engage again. So we want it to be, desirable, comfortable for the ladies also. So what are you recommending for us? Yes. So
2: what, what I see in my practice is women come to me and say, you need to help me fix my libido. My husband's ready to go. And I just don't want to have intercourse. And so I say, talk to me, tell me what's happening. And typically the issue is sex is painful. And so we got to get to the bottom line. And I explain to them after menopause, usually three to seven years after menopause, the estrogen levels are declining. And with that drop in estrogen, the vagina no longer, um, it's no longer elastic and stretchy and it's not expanding when we're aroused. Um, So we have a pretty easy fix. And what we can do is we can offer vaginal estrogen um, therapy which can come in different forms. You can talk to your provider about what the best form for you is. But the best part about this vaginal estrogen, is, it is not hormone replacement therapy. So you're not getting systemic hormones, which means the hormones not going into your entire body. You're not taking the risk of taking hormone replacement. So it's not increasing your risk of breast cancer or colon cancer or blood clots. It's only helping in the vaginal area.
0: So is it topical?
2: So it is topical. Exactly. You're putting the cream or the tablet into the vagina Um, because it is such tiny, tiny doses. It's not instant gratification like our society is used to. It takes a (laughs) while before it's going to you're going to notice a difference. But if you're willing to stick with it, um, most of my patients come back and say, wow, it is a game changer.
0: How long does it take to have effect?
2: So, you'll notice a difference in about six weeks, but after about three months, everything will be back to normal, back to the way it was before menopause. But you um,
0: continue the treatment.
2: You do. And the dosing regimen is easy, it's only twice a week. Um, so, it's not, I mean, it's not the most fun, but if it's going to give you back your sex life and right. your intimacy with your partner, people think it's worth it. Uh, so, the other interesting thing is because you're increasing the estrogen in the vagina, it increases the blood flow to the area. So it helps with a lot of other things. It helps with your ability to orgasm. It helps with sexual response. In turn, that ends up helping your libido because if your sex isn't painful and you're actually able to enjoy intercourse, guess what? You're gonna wanna have sex, um, which helps your relationship. Uh, So I think if you're comfortable talking to your gynecologist about this, um, it's a great option for you and it'll help your
0: relationship. So then the husband comes in and says, I don't know what to do. She doesn't want to stop. Help me here.
2: <laughs> that might be a good problem to have.
0: <laughs> what other issues do you face as uh, patients come in to see you?
2: Well, another really common problem in the aging population is bladder issues. And kind of stemming from the same thing, the vaginal estrogen really helps with the bladder problems. What happens is as the vagina is a place that does have bacteria in it, it's supposed to have bacteria, has good bacteria in it. Um, We always call it a self-cleaning oven. Uh, If the vagina gets dry over time, which is what happens with the lack of estrogen, that bacteria that lives there has to find a a warm place, a moist place to survive. And the closest moist place is the bladder, the urethra.
0: It migrates up there. It
2: migrates up there. And if you look at a picture of the female anatomy, you see how close it is. Um, So as women are postmenopausal and older, they start getting urinary tract infections a lot more frequently. Um, So by adding this vaginal estrogen cream or tablet or whatever route they choose to use, we can help prevent these recurrent urinary tract infections. So you're kind of hitting, um, you know, two birds with one stone, if you will. We can fix those urinary tract infection issues and we can help with the libido issues. Um, The other problems that happen with bladder is a fallen bladder. Uh, By increasing the vaginal estrogen, we can increase the blood supply to to the muscles of the pelvic floor. Sometimes you can do pelvic floor PT, which is physical therapy of the pelvic floor. We can do Kegel exercises and and both the, the physical therapy and the Kegel exercises are not very helpful if we're not getting a little bit of estrogen in the vaginal area, because without that estrogen there, we're not getting the blood flow needed to help support the fel- pelvic floor. And these are some easier, easier ways to help fix these uh, bladder issues before we jump to surgery if
1: needed.
0: Now, I can see the light going on in Dr. Perry's head. She is absolutely devouring this information Tamika
1: don't tell don't tell people as a physician I'm over here taking notes right, <laughs> vigorously but can you walk us through a proper kegel exercise? Oh absolutely um
2: so what I tell my patients to do is when their bladder is full go ahead and go to the restroom and sit on the toilet and as soon as they start their stream I want them to stop the stream. And that muscle that they use to stop urinating is the muscle that I want them to exercise. It's very difficult to start stop your stream when you really have to go. But if you're able to stop it, then you're actually having a decent strength to that muscle. If you can stop it a few times during the time you're trying to empty your bladder, then that's then your muscle is getting stronger. I tell most of my patients to try to exercise that muscle by squeezing that muscle. Anytime they're driving, if they're at a stop sign or a red light to try to squeeze it 15 to 20 times, and anytime they're watching television or Netflix, if there's a commercial or um, a pause in the show to to exercise that muscle by squeezing 15 or 20 times. You don't always have to be on the toilet when you do it, but if you do squeeze it while you're on the toilet and you're able to stop the flow, then you know you're strengthening that muscle
1: you're targeting the proper muscles. I tell my patients to think about it like strength training for your pelvic muscles, you know, just like we strength train our other muscles. Ron and I learned about that a, a couple episodes ago. We need strength training for that muscle also.
0: Exactly. And what about, uh, of course, you're seeing women for men uh, who have a similar issue with perhaps urinary incontinence or leaky urine, uh, does strengthening that muscle help them as well?
1: Well, let me say from, from my perspective, there are several reasons why men can have a leaky issue. You know, one of those issues could be the prostate. So if you have a leaky issue as a man, I'm not going to say that's not going to be helpful to you, but you definitely want to see either your family doctor or urologist to make sure it isn't that the prostate is too big because that's a whole different, we address that in a whole different manner.
0: Right. And so, as we talk about this, uh, Dr. Uh, Marisha, Marisha, For patients who come in, does it help to have their significant other with them as you talk about fixing these problems?
2: Uh, I think it depends on the patient. Um, You know, the past three years, we haven't been able to bring significant others in because of the pandemic. No one was able to come with a partner. No one could bring guests in. So I think we've, you know, surpassed that hurdle. Um, Prior to that, a lot of um, our patients did come with significant others. It just helped with history and um, filling in details, especially if someone has um, memory issues, our elderly patients um, need someone to fill in the gaps here and there. Uh, but I think over the past few years, we've learned to fill in those those gaps and those hurdles because we've had to. With the pandemic, it, it's made us learn to deal with a lot of issues that we
1: ha- had to figure out how to deal with, you know? <laughs> no, I have a no. question for you. Oh, I'm sorry, Ron. No, go ahead question for you. So, you know, so you deal with down below, obviously, but also when we do the yearly G or every one to five year GYN exam, depending on, you know, what the patient needs, we also do breast exams. And so can you tell me what that postmenopausal woman is looking for when she does her breast exam?
2: Yes. Um, so I, I do encourage all of my patients to do a breast exam, um, a self breast exam still once a year, once a month, um, For postmenopausal women, just pick any time of the month. Typically, I ask them to do it when the month changes, just so they can remember. Um, I ask them to just get a feel for what normal is for their breasts. So when I do their breast exam, I kind of talk about what their normal is. Um, I ask them to start in the center around the areola, go around in a circular fashion and then check up and underneath their armpit because I explain how the breast tissue just does go into the armpit area. We check in the clavicle region to feel for any lymph nodes that may be up there. I also ask for them to um, squeeze the nipple, make sure we don't see any nipple discharge at all. Um, Afterwards, I ask them to sit up and look in the mirror to look for any asymmetry. Um, A lot of times the um, texture can can feel different when they're sitting up as well. we also want to look for skin changes, if there's any dimpling or any discoloration of the skin. Um, and then that's it. The last thing I want them to do is if they feel something that feels a little different, I want them to think of their breast as a clock. And if it was right above the nipple, or that would be 12 o'clock. And they can check again a month later just to make sure that is still not present. Um for postmenopausal, they may not want to wait the full month because they don't have hormone changes happening. If they're still menstruating, I do encourage waiting a month because hormone changes can make those lumps and bumps they feel go away. Um, for postmenopausal, I a- ask them to reach out to me sooner so I can do an exam and do any order any testing where if they need a diagnostic mammogram or an ultrasound, we can get that done for them.
0: Now we are about flat out of time. Have we covered all four reasons? you need to keep seeing your gynecologist. We have. Perfect. I want to thank you so much for being here, and we appreciate the information. It's been invaluable. And I can tell you, just watching, because I see you on Zoom, Dr. Perry, this has (laughs) been probably the most informative show we have done for you, which I love.
1: Probably my top favorite, yes. Dr. (laughs) Tamika
0: Perry and our our special guest, uh, Dr. Manisha Parikh, thank you both so much. We will talk with you soon, right here on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra, and associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.